the Liberty Meat Solutions podcast is all about food freedom and finding ways to provide to you and your family outside of the system, how to raise and process your own meat and not rely on others to do so. Thanks for listening, and I hope that you enjoy. Hey, thanks for watching my dorky uh, promo video. I had too much fun on my phone the other day just playing around. But welcome to Liberty Meat Solutions Live. Uh, it's Saturday morning. It's early. We've got some coffee here, a little Food Forest Farms coffee. And uh, we're going to uh, be joined here in a minute by Nate and Aaron over at Two Chicks Farm, or Two Chicks Homestead and School. And uh, we've got all their information there in the show notes on YouTube, and I'll try to update that all on the audio side if you guys are uh, listening in there. You can find this rebroadcast later on on YouTube, Odyssey, whatever, if you aren't watching right now. And uh, if not, I hope you're having a great weekend. A um, couple of different things before we get going. We did update a bunch of the merchandise in the shop. I did a little video last night about it quick, but some of these shirts are in and uh, we tested them. We decided to change that out to full white on the bottom. And uh, but uh, we've got that Brian over at the Lots Project is going to be repping one of these at the, uh, the Self-Reliance Festival in Tennessee coming up here next weekend, too. So if you want to kind of check that out and see the first draft, meet up with him. And uh, we're going to get all that stuff going. I've got some ideas on changing stuff up with uh, the spice and, and everything with the Renegade Butcher. We'll see how that goes. Uh, you can check some of that stuff out on the other the other side of it there. But anyway, we're going to get Nate and Aaron in here and we're going to talk this morning and uh, see what uh, they've got going on before they decide to go buy some new ham radio equipment. Um, if you are interested in anything that we got going on here and you want to try to support the show, uh, you can that way. Uh, use it tip lightning to tip uh, you can find renegadebutcher.com you can find libertymeatsolutions.com and uh, catch up with everything we've got going on but check out nate and aaron stuff over there at twochickshomestead.com and with that we are being joined by them and good morning nate and aaron good morning Jack. Good morning. hey uh how are you guys doing this weekend so far been a busy week pretty good pretty good yeah. we uh i got up early you slept in a little bit today a which little is bit. pretty good so Good. good. Hanging awesome. out with the neighbor last night down by the, the pond, having a fire and chit-chatting a little bit. So even better. Yep. Oh, uh, so you guys have done quite a bit on your well, tell me a little bit about your homestead. Give me the give me the cliff notes here. Sure. For people who um, don't know. <laughs> we're in north central Illinois, about 60 miles west of Chicago. And we have a half acre here. We back up to 400 acres of monocrops. And we uh, have a layer uh, or a flock of layer hens, uh, eight of those right now. It's our second flock. Mm -hmm. We have a trio of meat rabbits. And then we also uh, do Cornish crosses every other year. And then we uh, process a hog from the local butcher or from the local farmer. We buy it from them and we do all that ourselves. Nice. That's, that's quite a bit. And you guys are doing it on like a, a you said a half acre? Yeah, half acre. That's that's yeah. pretty dang impressive. Uh, I think I grew up on a, a quarter to half acre kind of over on the, the far uh, west side of Illinois. So okay. I, I get the area you're talking about. When, for us, I wish we had uh, crop land back behind us. I mean, monocrop can be a little bit of a pain in the butt, but we had crop production service. Okay. Like that whole big gravel stretch of, of chemical tanks that was right behind us and, and the yeah. highway on the other side. So never really got the opportunity to do all that stuff. And my parents weren't really into the whole livestock side of it. So I wish I had that when I was coming up. I know your, uh, your two girl, girls are probably pretty lucky to get involved in that when they're young. Cause mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure y'all have had that experience too. It's a little harder to kind of get into the understanding the meat side of things and raising it yourself uh, when you're mm -hmm. not brought up in it. You know, there's a learning curve there. Absolutely. Yeah. I think they've, they've gotten to the age now where we've doing it long enough that, they appreciate it now at first it was right, like what right. are we doing mm -hmm. yeah. well they they get a chance to understand that and sort of you know form that in their mind when they're young and understand where their food came from and yep. so right. i mean when you guys first got into it because neither of you were really farm kids right no yeah nope. so when you got into it was that like what, what was the hardest part about you know having to dispatch your own and process your mm -hmm. own i think we yeah. did really good until nate brought up the rabbits yeah for me at mm -hmm. first it was like what <laughs> like nobody does that yeah <laughs> right oh, and, but it's a bunny yeah, yeah. They're fuzzy. i mean it's, they're like kittens 
the, but the it's rabbit, delicious though. I, I can't yeah, say they're yeah. more delicious than kittens. I haven't had a kitten, uh, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we cannot compare that. But uh, right. yeah, we, we got the rabbits because we couldn't get Cornish crosses. So mm-hmm. it was. I we went down that rabbit hole. Pardon the pun. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> but we we went looking for Cornish crosses earlier in the year. And this was like right mm-hmm. when the human malware virus kicked off. Oh yeah. And you couldn't find anything anywhere at the beginning. And no. <laughs> I think we found them later in the summer, but I was able to source a trio of rabbits about an hour and a half South of us. Right. So I was able uh, uh, to get down there and get those guys picked up. And it was, it was a learning curve. Yeah. So. Oh, I'm sure. There was. Now, a, if you guys had to pick like between rabbits or meat chickens, like what would you, what would you your what would be your preference as far as raising processing? Rabbits, I mean, rabbits. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm jealous because I've tried the rabbit thing down here in Texas, and it just it it's a lot harder in Texas mm-hmm. than it is yeah. up there. So, it, I I used to hunt rabbit. And I love how easy they are to process, how easy they are to skin, how much you like chicken when you're eating them. Yeah. It's like, it's like chicken on easy mode. Yeah. But, they reproduce. But the thing is, yeah, I, I, I can't keep them breeding here. Like I tried for a year and I, maybe the numbers are off. I don't know. Nothing I read was like specific scientific data, but from what I understand, the males like go sterile above 85 degrees. Yeah. So, that's what I've heard as well. So we usually yeah. give them a break in the summer. Right, right. And for me, though, over 85 degrees is about nine months of the year. So yeah, it makes it really hard to, to race. Them. For me, it's probably, honestly, I'm, I'm probably whining because it's like y'all trying to raise broiler chickens. You got about three months of the year you can do it reasonably without potentially yeah. losing young yeah. ones. Yeah. So, yeah. but uh, for me, poultry is just way easier to keep alive down here. So I go with that. And I actually, for me, I like, I like hogs, but I've got a little bit more space to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I'm on about 16 acres that shared with some family and everything. So I've got space there, but most of it's woods. And realistically I have maybe about an acre around the house that I use. So I, I, you can do a lot on an acre though. So you guys are doing all this stuff on a half acre and you've got the house on there and I'm assuming Mm -hmm. garage and everything like that. So, uh, when you're trying to utilize that small of a space and not like leave a scorched earth type deal, how do you guys manage that? Really? Um, we bring a lot of food in, so mm. uh rabbits are mainly pellets and then we grow some greens for them in either a hydroponic right. or kale in the garden um mm. we actually we have a spot that's over on the west side of our west side of our house that's what what would you say a 20 by 40 area yeah 20 mm-hmm. foot by 40 foot and we just seeded that with like turnip greens and uh, clover, uh, what was it? A bunch of different stuff, ryegrass, just to, you know, have some kind of fodder for them. And that's where we put all our comfrey as well. Ah, that, that, that's a, a good way to do it. And so how much comfrey are y'all going to, going to raise out there? Are you just getting it started or you got like a whole row of it? Yeah. Well, we've got it from Brian. Yep. Uh, from the last right. project. Yep. Speaking no, of, he just yeah. dropped in the comments. I, I just looked at the comments. I was wondering why my, my telegram popped up that uh, <laughs> I got a mystery tip. He tried the QR code over here and uh, apparently it worked for him. Cool. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he dropped me 169 Satoshis and just popped up. I'm like, who the heck? It was from a mystery person. So it doesn't tell me <laughs> when they, they scan the QR code. But yeah, he says, uh, hey, what's up, guys? He's in the comments and he said that he dropped you a tip and it worked out good. So cool. But yeah, no, his comfrey thing is really kicking off. He's uh, well, yeah. they're getting ready to wrap that up. So he's like right. sort of mm-hmm. selling it, breaking it up into, into sections. So because you guys can go over to lotsproject.com and check that out. If you guys want to get into comfrey and it's a really useful herb, he's selling like big boxes of it and like help if you want to start raising it and selling it yourself. So pretty good opportunity there. Mm-hmm. But I, I love raising this stuff. I, I would get some from him and start it myself, <laughs> but I already have some. So it makes no sense for me. And I don't want to, I don't want to raise it and sell it like, a ton it's just not for me but for the utility of it i've used it forever for herbal use yeah and it's great for fodder too though so i mean you didn't you just get some and it was like two weeks later yeah it's already popping yeah. up yeah i mean last yeah. year i got some from nicole at living free in tennessee mm-hmm. i brought some back with me i put it in mm-hmm. a pot and then it didn't make it over the illinois winter so i was like right. well minnesota is probably 
easier to transfer. So mm -hmm. now that's in the ground. But yeah, it, it's already like four inches tall. A couple yeah. of them. There's yeah. two of them now out there that Jeez. came up already just since like a month ago. Yeah. 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 They, it grows really fast. Mm. And yeah. And looks like maybe we. Uh... Yeah. It looks like it froze. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're excited to. Uh, Absolutely. To try that comfrey. Yeah, we have it. We have it over on the west side, and then we have it over by the garden as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So trying it in two different spaces to mm -hmm. see partial shade and and full sun. But yeah. yeah, I wanted to get it before Brian left the property. Absolutely. Yeah, we we want to get it in there, get it set up, and we want to be able to use it. I know you want to make some stuff with it as yeah. well. Yeah. So. And who knows? Maybe. Maybe make some money from it. Yep, we'll see. So, yeah, it's kind of nice to have it out by the garden. Yep. Yeah, no, that's where we usually go. You're out there all the time, so you can go check it out and see how it goes. Mm -hmm. so, so, looks like he's Josh. Gone, so I'm not sure <laughs> if this is even still working. <laughs> but I guess we'll find out. Yep, yep. It's kind of, you never know what's going to happen. Mm hmm. Yep. You got that right. And I see you, Brian. How's it going? Last project. Yeah, yeah. I've had a couple of people ask in the past if we've ever had, you know, any comfrey. And at the time, I was like, I don't even know what that is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now we got, yeah, we got one over there. We got what ten pieces, twelve pieces, I think. It was more than ten, yeah. for sure. And we got <laughs> okay. Thanks for hanging out. Holy smoke. <laughs> no problem. Uh, I love my internet. I love my internet. Uh, we went to the backup and I just tethered straight to my data. So we'll just eat the mobile data there. Sorry about that, guys. That's okay. Uh, cool. Living in the sticks. You know, I wish I had good, like a uh, hard, hard line of uh, fiber or something like that. But uh, no, no, there's not even cable on my road. So one day, hopefully I've thought about getting one of those cell phone towers that pops up and connects everybody else. So, uh, if, if anybody listens to the audio broadcast, uh, I hope you guys were talking, if not, I'll cut yep. that section yep. out and we'll just yep. throw that, we'll just yep. throw that side in the audio. <laughs> awesome. Yep. Thanks for holding down the fort. Brian over at lots project did the same thing. So gotta love it. Uh, it, it happens. It, it, <laughs> I'm thinking it, it, if I've got some good interviews going on, I need to like rent a hotel room or something. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we were talking about comfrey and stuff. I, I had the thought though, uh, have you guys tried fodder trees at all for rabbits? Have you fiddled with that yet? Or we, we just uh learned about that and yeah. at when we mm -hmm. went to the LFTN workshop. Yeah. I don't know if we have the space. I know our neighbor yeah, lets right. us forage his property. He's got about three acres. Ah, so we get our mulberries and our elderberries. And right. Well, you've got mulberry. So right there, that yeah. is a great fodder tree and a good portion of the year that's producing yeah. like crazy, but it's not really producing berries. Right. So right. that I, I've got a ton of wild red mulberries down here and I know it's not as high protein as the white, but it's still a good fodder tree everywhere here. Yeah. yeah, and then when you weed, you know you're, you're pulling those things out too because you know they pop up everywhere, especially in the spring after the birds are out there eating all those mulberries. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's so that's that's really good fodder. Uh, I've been playing with that, trying to use it some, but mostly the birds don't hardly touch it. Got a yeah. pasture pony horse and a goat out here, and they love it though. So make go. sure I load them up on it. But I was thinking, uh, you know, there's a lot of the hybrid poplar that everybody talks about. When I was growing up up there in Illinois, we had a, a row of poplars. And they're easy to grow in like coppice, so they don't have to get huge. Mm -hmm. And then the willows, you can grow them pretty much anywhere. I've seen people, though, growing them in like stock tanks and buckets and stuff. You just have to keep them wet. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Just an idea. But anyway, you can feed like rabbits and stuff. Mm -hmm. If you can feed them for free, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. You can probably get away with feeding rabbits for free if you've got a little space to grow something. You can't yeah. really do that with chickens unless you've got yeah. access to a place to grow some crops, you know, some right. seed crop. Yeah, I just get nervous with the rabbits because they seem so mm. sensitive that it's like, I don't want to. Yeah. So we're slowly adding, like we have creeping Charlie like crazy up here, but everything says oh, they yeah. can't eat that. And it's like, what? Yeah, it's so, green stuff. Mm, they should really eat yeah, it. Yeah, I just. And it's like, I think I, so. Uh, everywhere I read it says they can't eat turnip greens. Well, I just planted a bunch of turnip greens, so we'll see how that right. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm hesitant about some of that stuff too, because if you guys have followed, and I'm sure you have, any of the Facebook groups or whatever, when it comes to chicken people, they're chicken ladies, they're the craziest. They'll be like, No, no. The, if the, they eat this, they'll die. You know, just the weirdest stuff that and yeah. we're talking about old ladies that go out with like a cat litter scoop every day and scoop up their chicken poop in the coop. Mm -hmm. So uh 
Yeah, that but they have a whole list of things that are supposed to kill chickens that have never killed my chickens. Mm-hmm. Just like there's a whole bunch of things that are supposed to kill pigs that have yeah. never killed my pigs when I toss <laughs> my leftovers to them. So yeah. I, I think that uh, maybe if you were sitting there and feeding like Hershey's chocolate bars to your chickens yeah. every day, they'd probably die. But right. a little bit here and there is probably not going to hurt them. And even some stuff that can be kind of toxic often acts like a wormer. So I think maybe you have to experiment and learn mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully not kill things. But well, yeah. that's the other yeah. thing, though. And I know you guys have experienced this and it's got to be harder having kids when you're homesteading and you're raising something, you're growing anything like that, uh, especially hard. If you don't come from that background, you're going to kill stuff like oh, no matter yeah. what stuff's going to die. You're going to make a choice. It's going to be the wrong choice and something's going to die. So how do you how do you deal with that? <laughs> how, you want to say how we dealt with that right off the bat? <laughs> well, I mean, with the kids, when we got the chickens at first, I admit that. They were mm-hmm. my little babies out there. You know, it was our first. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were all like that. Everybody yeah. is like that. Or you're probably yeah. not right in the head. <laughs> right. And they, I mean, they all the chickens got names and, you know, we knew who they were. Oh, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and then over time, you know, something happened and one of them died and we walked out there and it was just laying there. And then with the kids, we had always told them, you know, when you go outside, we don't know what we're going to find from overnight. Like, just be prepared mm-hmm. that anything could have yeah. happened. We don't know. And so it just... There's a lot happen. of stuff that can happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of drilled them that, hey, things happen. They're outside. Yeah. They're working animals. And mm-hmm. then with the rabbits, we sat them both down. I mean, my little one does, you know, she was... She's fine. She's really it. little. Yeah. But the All other right. one, we made sure that, hey, we're getting these rabbits. The three are going to be there mm-hmm. for most of the time. Yep. And then, you know, the babies will be fun and then they're going to be gone and we'll have dinner and then we'll have more babies. And yeah, right. they've been awesome with it. Yeah. I mean, they, they warmed up to it pretty good. Um, and they've mm-hmm. gotten better over the past couple of years. Like yeah. Our kids, as soon, as soon as they can, they go scrambling out the back door for fodder for them. Like they'll grab right. a bunch of grass. They'll grab a whole bunch of dandelion leaves. And that's, that's awesome. They're involved in that and, yeah, and yeah. you know, actually active in doing it. You know, mm-hmm. they're learning a skill and doing something for me when I was growing up, that was what my grandpa was gardening. And that's kind of what it stuck, you know, because mm-hmm. it was fun. It was something to do. It was something for him and I to do. And uh, that that's going to be like life lifelong skills mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. Yeah. No one can ever take. Those I things. wish I wish I had learned that stuff when I was I was growing up, you know. And I think you got you guys probably have the right balance with it. You're not forcing any of it down their throat. It's all, that's yeah, the one that's, thing that'll turn a kid off from it. You know, yeah, what, if, yeah. if your parents make you do something, it's a chore now and it's no longer fun. But if they get to choose that and be involved with it, then, uh, you know, that's that's kind of a whole different ball game. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. There was somewhere I was going with that uh, that thought and uh, that passed away in my mind. <laughs> yeah, but we, anyways, uh, <laughs> so when you guys do your actual processing and the dispatching part, um, I know you guys have talked a little bit about that. What do you do as far as, you know, do you have problems with neighbors? Do you have anybody like living close by and having a small lot? Do you have anybody who is like kind of sketchy about you out there killing rabbits and chickens in your backyard? Um, I don't know that with the rat, well, the rat, we've got the one neighbor to the one side of us that, yeah. you know, they have a big fence up and, and we right. kind of, we try not to be showy about it. Right. Like when we process the chickens, mm-hmm. we did it in between the two garages of the neighbor. That... You're not out there bleeding them in the front yard. Right, right. right. Absolutely. Yeah, we're not doing this to like show anybody, hey, look at what we can do. I mean, we really right. we put our, mm-hmm. we backed our truck, you know, up to the, in front of us so that nobody from the road mm-hmm. could see. And yeah, I don't think they even really noticed. No, I mean. They're, it, they're right, right. World well, that's good. That's cool. Well, it, it, it's kind of cool to to a lot of people don't think that way and if they're living in town and they've got a small yard they're afraid of what their neighbors are going to be going to be doing and thinking and saying and whatnot but most of the time unless you're drawing attention to yourself nobody Nobody's really cares even what's going on yeah. in your backyard yeah. you know yeah. now, if you've got that neighbor that lives with his camera pointing at your house and sits there with binoculars all day yeah maybe you want to put on a show give mm-hmm. him something to look at i don't know but uh, that's that's different you know uh, i never really have had that experience even living in a small town. And if I live somewhere where I felt like somebody was watching everything I do in my backyard all the time, I probably wouldn't want to live there. So I know that yeah. that's, that's a big concern for a lot of people who have a small lot. Yeah. Uh, we, have you guys tried quail? I can't remember if you guys have played with quail. Not yet. Not yet. It's on okay. the list. Of that stuff was my first thing. Like 
I was living on a postage size, like little bitty rental lot with my mm. landlord, like right behind me and my friend next to me and everything. We had this tiny little spot and I had a fenced yard. It was up on a hill, uh, but we weren't allowed chickens, uh, but they didn't say anything about quail and yeah. they didn't know. So I had a, I think I had a three by six coop and I, I'd have like 50 quail in there at a time because no matter how big mm. of a space you give them, they clump together. They, they yeah. run as a little flock. So mm-hmm. Uh, I had it on my back porch and we brooded our own in the house. I, I had a little incubator and everything. I mean, it awesome. worked out pretty well for being in town. Now, I don't like raising things that have to live in a cage when I have the option of letting them run around during the day. But mm-hmm. so for me, I started with quail when I got out here and I still like them. But I was like, well, I'm, I'm the only food they'll ever get is the feed I throw them. And yeah. I've tried to tractor them. And that just means they die at night. There's there's no way to keep the raccoons at the dang tractor. Uh, when it comes to quail sized, uh, so I don't know. And it's hard to move them because they're so tiny. You're just going to crush yeah. them underneath the, <laughs> yeah. so I don't know the people who tractor quail. I'd like to see somebody actually pull it off and I want to see how they do it, but well, I, uh, I it's, it's a really gotta... cool concept, but for people who have a small area or if you're just raising it in an apartment or a garage, there's still something you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would imagine you need half inch hardware cloth on the bottom to be able to tractor them. Yeah, I think so too. And then the hard part with half inch hardware cloth is now you're not going to get the grass to like come up through that unless you're going to sit there and like shift it around and get it just right. It Mm kind of just mats down and then quail will leave a lot of dropping. So you just end up with this mat of. That is very true. But I I did mine. uh, The best I ever did mine was in uh, rabbit hutch, just elevated and trays underneath to catch any droppings. Mm-hmm. But the thing I found I had to do in my area, at least was we had the wire up on top of the bottom boards and I had to actually add wire on the bottom boards about an inch below because their little feet, their little toes will go through the wire yeah. and stuff will come up at night and eat their toes off. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So I had to leave like a gap, like an air gap mm-hmm. of space so that I didn't have that problem. Predators are really bad here. I've got the national forest in my backyard, so it doesn't matter okay. how much I kill stuff comes back and eats things. I just had to make my, uh, my pens like ridiculously predator proof. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have a little bit of woods behind the house, but at most yeah. we have raccoons and possums and I got a 20. Yeah. Raccoons and possums are the worst though. That, and I've got rat snakes will come up and mostly steal eggs. I've had them kill whole pens of bantam chickens though, because they mm. got into the coop, ate a bunch yeah. of eggs, couldn't get back out through the same hole once they're full of eggs and hens pecked them, I guess. And they just went crazy and like constricted every chicken in the coop so i get rid of those when i see them in the coop because you know you could yeah when you start out so you guys have you trapped predators have you dealt with predators a lot you know you deal with the people who who tell you to relocate everything yeah that's uh, not making somebody else's problem yeah they they Uh, they take their uh, everybody starts out doing that trying to be the nice guy but you learn eventually they just come back yeah or they (laughs) cause somebody else problems yeah yeah, they take dirt naps out here. Mm-hmm. So you're in town. Do you go? You have like an air gun, or you go out with 22 and just don't care? Uh, well, I mean, once we go a little ways, <laughs> we're out of yeah. town. Yeah, so we're ah, uh, you guys trap them and then pop them. Can, yep, I mean, I we can yeah. walk and we're out yeah. in county town or county. Yeah, so right. We'll, right on we, the edge. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll we'll trap them here in a in a live trap. Carry them back. What 200 feet mm-hmm. back to the ag area and then just pop them with a 22 and leave them for the nice. coyotes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what you got to do sometimes. So yeah, I didn't know if you were doing it much in the yard. And uh, so when we you guys are dispatching, we, we, we did one. Like that, ah, you we, did. Yeah. We, we I did mean, one. It's got to happen. Yeah. It was a uh, 20 plus pound raccoon that just would not get in the cage. Ooh, so yeah, we, uh, we were up at 2 AM. My neighbor and I were pretty well drunk. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we, we were waiting for him to show up. And Redneck moments, 2 a.m. Yep. drunk, shooting raccoons in the backyard. Yep. yep. I, got, I got it on video, too. So and we have proof. Nice. Yes. That should be yes. a TikTok. Well, no, no, don't don't put that on TikTok. If yeah, no, I, 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 I no the, the, <laughs> the bullet hole in the garage is from a neighbor shooting a raccoon in his garage. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean that's country living, though, folks. Yep. It mm-hmm. happens. Yeah, it Been does. They've done that. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've walked outside at two in the morning with the with a pistol. Going, what the hell's going on out here? You know. Yeah, <laughs> I have to. Oh, get those chickens going nuts, you know. And well, then the problem is now I've got geese, so most of the time you know there's a problem when they do shut up. So it's yeah. a constant noise and chattering and squawking, and when things go eerily silent. You go, 
what's happening out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, it cracked me up because recently I was at Float Fest and we went out there and I was cooking and everything. I parked the U-Haul I rented and we were camping out in there and uh, I had the, the bartenders and all my buddies were out hanging out there camp nearby too. And they woke up in the morning and they were all complaining and upset. I was like, what's your problem? There was, we were right under a tree and the birds were singing right as the sun came up. Mm-hmm. And well, a lot of these guys live in Vegas and stuff. So they're not used to that. The birds they have are pigeons. So they're not <laughs> used to the sounds of nature. And uh, they're like, God, these, it was a late night. And these birds, they, they're waking me up. Like the birds wake you up. What are you talking about? I was like, man, I, I sleep through roosters crowing. I sleep mm-hmm. through all kinds of 3 a.m. I got one guy who just has to wake up and be the first one to start, <laughs> start hollering, you know, but you've got all those sounds and it's funny how you just kind of tune them out. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys are probably familiar with this being up in the Midwest. And I've still got it down here in Texas too. We'll have a uh, train tracks not too far. Oh yeah. And the trains will go by and you'll hear that going off and people who will come to visit will go, how do you deal with that all the time? Like, what trains? It. <laughs> yeah. Like what yeah. It, it exists, but it's funny how you just kind of adapt to that, you know? So have you had any neighbors complain about smells or sounds or odors or no, the only thing like we that? had was was the town wanting to start that uh the regulations. Yeah, the regulations on the chicken. I read something a little bit about that, or I heard something a little bit about that mentioned on one of the podcasts. So yeah, you guys yeah, had we, to do a little bit of a, a little bit of battle yeah. with your mm-hmm. yep. city and they, they initially wanted to go with four hens, yearly permits, um, and it was just a hassle. So we fought them and fought them and mm-hmm. fought them. And now we're allowed 16, 14 or 16 hens. And then we're nice. also allowed That's pretty to good. Have, we're also allowed to have up to a dozen meat birds at one time. Nice. And, process. and we can process on our property yeah. and nobody can say anything. Because they're good, basically good. Was- well, that's that's awesome that they're actually going to finally allow stuff like that. Because there's a lot of towns that will allow you to only have like five hens or something mm-hmm. stupid mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I think they really listened to what we were saying finally. Because yeah. their their big Good. thing was, oh, you're going to process, you know, chickens in the front yard. It's like, no, no, we're not. no. <laughs> we're not just, you know, doing it to like, right. And, I'm going to do this to you next. And this is a farm town. You got guys that go hunt deer. Yeah. You can't tell them they can't process. Their tell own them deer I'm not going to process it on my own. Yeah, exactly. Like at least down here, it depends. It depends very much on the state, but down here. If you get a deer, your options are either process it directly at your home where you live or take it to a processor. So you're yeah. taking away that option from somebody. You're telling yeah. them they have to go pay somebody else to process their deer Yeah. if they can't process it at home. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, I'm and sorry, I, I'll save the money and do it here. Right. And you know what? Right. And, and I, I agree with you as a guy who processes deer for other people professionally, I agree with you, <laughs> but that's part of why I started doing the podcast thing. Cause so many people want to learn how to do this stuff at home. And mm-hmm. you know, there's nobody teaching anymore. Yeah. Uh, years ago, you know, coming up your, your daddy or your grandpa, they teach you how to do all this stuff. Cause that was just part of life. Yeah. But we yeah. kind of lost that. Lost and that. I know mm-hmm. I never came up doing it. I fell into butchering by accident, sort of took a side job. And it turned into a thing, but most people don't get that experience. And I work with people all the time that are blown away when they learn stuff that seems completely normal and logical when you've been involved in processing. So I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, when you guys do your processing, so your dispatch, are you guys mostly like what broomstick method? Just kind of yeah. low key in the backyard or yeah, we use That's a, probably what I would do too. We use a hopper popper for rabbits. Okay. And then yeah. we do, uh, I'll probably use that for the chickens, the yeah. broilers this year. Cause it and was too much of a mess. Cause that was a big mess. Yeah. Right. I haven't, uh, I, I haven't tried the hopper popper. I've seen something about it. Can you kind of tell me a little bit about what, what that is? Uh, it's, uh, so the easiest way. So like, uh, this mount, this part mounts against the wall. So it sits like this. Okay. You slide the rabbit's head in here and then you just yank uh-huh. back on the back legs and it's just oh, like, so, okay. Method. So it's not spring loaded or anything. It's just like a, it's no. a, just basically like a little, little fork that you put the head up in and yeah. it does the cervical yeah. dislocation that way. Okay, yeah. cool. I'll ah, so it's like a broomstick me- method on easy mode, footless yeah. broomstick. Yeah. Ah, I'll, gotcha. I'll post Makes a sense. picture in the telegram when we go out. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Post picture in telegram. We'll, uh, we'll put that up there and everything like that. So sweet. Well, that's nice because it's a, it's a silent method, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you don't have the giant mess. So yeah, uh, me it's, with uh, with chickens and whatnot, I still do old school. I do the old uh, the old cleaver and chopping block. 
because it's yeah. quick and it's you know it's what i have handy uh i don't think i would do the same thing with rabbit though so no it would be and, a lot you know with rabbit it would be and you know the old 22 method is great for larger livestock but it's kind of a waste of ammo when you're dealing with with small stuff because you're not doing one at a time unless you're just doing an emergency call right right it's usually yeah, not worth making the mess for one at a time yeah we'll do seven seven to ten rabbits yeah, at a shot depends on how many. yeah depends on how many are in the litter right so now did you guys you guys have a plucker right did you make one or did you buy one it's homemade but we bought it from somebody down on the south side of chicago that was moving out, okay. of, out of state so it's a 55 right. gallon drum with a washing machine motor on it and it works nice. out well. Yeah. So if you had to do it without a plucker, you probably would hate life, right? I told you the only way we are doing <laughs> birds is if we buy a plucker. And right, end of right. Story. See, this is why I, I avoid doing birds. I do probably maybe a dozen culls a year, just extra roosters and stuff, because I'll I have little breeding projects going on. I don't raise poultry for meat because I hate processing them, probably because mm -hmm. I don't have a plucker. Uh, but I also can't justify the investment for everything I have going on. And I don't want to run meat birds. I have too much yeah. else happening. And I just get, I get frustrated with it because I process larger livestock for a living and, uh, I'll be five roosters in, you know, blood covered feathers everywhere, mm -hmm. miserable, hating life going, I could have quartered an entire steer and had it in a cooler by now, you know, and I've got 20 <laughs> pounds of meat for all this work and mess I have to clean up. Yeah. It's, so it's I don't focus on it, but I love having people who do it. Because when you're on a small property, especially, and you're just raising for your family, it doesn't make sense to do large livestock. You can't pull it off, yeah. but it makes sense to do small protein and uh, you guys are making it work. So I like having people like you guys on because you've got a perspective dealing with that, that I, I don't. So that's, that's right. not my wheelhouse. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, anybody, yeah. anybody and their brother can do rabbits and quail, even in an HOA. Right. You keep them in a garage, oh, yeah. you keep your mouth shut and you just do it. So. I mean, a quail honestly doesn't sound like anything different than your normal songbirds. You know, right. if, if your neighbors hear them talking and squawking, you, your roosters, they might make a little bit of a noise, a little bit of a crow. But most people can't distinguish that from some random bird just squawking in the tree. You know, they don't right. hear it. They don't hear where it's coming from. And if you have them in a garage, you probably won't even even yeah. hear well, that I, they're there. The first know? time we had meat chickens, I don't think we were supposed to. Like we may have been over the limit of what yeah. the town said. Yeah. And one of them was starting to crow right. yeah. near the end. It was like, Oh, mm. good thing. It's next yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. It's time to let him go. Yeah. <laughs> and, th and that was an asshole. Yeah. Too. yeah uh, yep. Always. It's always the ones that start crowing first. Those little testosterone birds. It seems like those are the ones that, that cause you the oh, yeah. most problems. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, so when you guys do the, your dispatch, your processing, your plucking, you got your feathers, you got your guts and all that. Do you guys just compost that? Is it going to regular city garbage? How do you, it how do you deal to with the it? It's yeah, our, our offering. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. We we so have to kind of take it out out in the country a little ways. Yeah, and, yeah down. Yeah, just yeah. down this lane that's in the back of our. house. Yeah, there you go. You got somebody that's cool with it. So well, mm -hmm. that works out too. I know that's a big concern for a lot of folks. I've had folks that I've showed up to kind of help them, uh, like consultation type stuff to. Uh, They've got like a sheep or a goat that somebody gave them or they raised in their backyard and they've got a little mm -hmm. tenth of an acre lot or, or right behind their, their, you know, mobile home in a trailer park. <laughs> they want to process this animal. It's like, okay, well let's figure it out. But they go, well, what do I do with the guts? We, we need to think about that. Cause I'm not taking them with me. You know, yeah. uh, we've, we've wrapped them up in trash bags and tied yeah, it. So you yeah, go out with your city garbage and stuff like that. You know, there, there's yeah. ways around it, but uh, you're not talking about like a whole, 150 pounds of hide and gut from a steer or something. It's right. right. Yeah, no, it's talking. at most we take the hog out leftovers from the hog. We take, you know, heads mm -hmm. from the rabbits hides right. and we just throw them at, so we have a quarter, uh, it's about a, yeah, about a quarter mile track behind our house that goes in. Right. The woods. Right. And I'll throw gotcha. everything. So on hogs, you guys have, you guys, when you do your hogs, you, you're not raising and processing them yourself or anything like that. Uh, you've been mostly getting them back uh, pretty much killed and chilled. But I, I think I heard, because I think I finally caught up on all your podcast, uh, that uh, you had uh, one, you guys had to go to dispatch? Yes, kind of. Um, we, mm -hmm. So our, our third one, we, we had a farmer call you, mm -hmm. or one of your friends called you and said, my neighbors have a hog. It's got a broken leg. 
Right. And they yep. can't take it to the butcher because it won't walk in under its own power. They won't take it. They can't do it. Yep. Yeah. So we go and get it and we meet the people that own the hog, talk to them, come up with, you know, what, what it's going to cost us to, you know, do it. Cause I, right. I, I wanted to make sure I paid them for their, their work with the hog, you know, right. They, make sure they get something out of it. Right. Um, because otherwise, just, it's just a loss for them. If if they can't get it processed and they've just got to go out and kill it and bury it or something, it, it it's a huge waste. Right. Yeah. Um. So they they dispatched it for us. You know, nine millimeter to the head. Drop dropped it. Mm-hmm. No problem. Um, yep. I was actually there when they gutted it, so I got to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. And then once that was done, and if you can gut a deer, you can gut a hog. Yeah. Well, yep. once we got that done, we cleaned it up, you know, cleaned it out, tossed it in the bed of the truck and then went home. And mm-hmm. you actually, you ran and got a gambrel yeah. that day. So we could hang them up in the garage and I got a chain right. hoist in there that I used to lift the deer. Chain hoists are awesome for that. You know, if, if you don't want to, me- if you do a couple a year having a chain hoist, heck I've, I've done a cow, uh, a whole, it was a miniature Hereford. I think, yeah, but mm-hmm. on a chain hoist. But you can get a, a, a two-ton chain hoist that'll hold pretty much anything the structure above it will hold without yeah. problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're kind of slow and they're greasy. You get your hands dirty or whatnot, but as long as you're prepared to deal with that, they're they're great, you know? Yeah. And they're they're off-grid. You don't have to worry about having a power hookup. You can haul that thing out in the bucket in the woods and yeah. string it exactly. up in a tree if you have to. Yeah. So it, it works. I love them for good. that. So you guys, would you were chilling it pretty much overnight because it was cold outside. Is, is that yeah, my understanding? Yeah. 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 It was like eight. That's awesome. Uh, I was getting. Yeah. I love, I love that. we You can do that because uh, same with deer. I don't get that option in Texas, even down here yeah. in deer season, like two thirds of deer season. It's still above 45 degrees for the low at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've, you pretty much have to either immediately skin and quarter it and get it on ice or you have to have or know somebody that has a walk-in cooler. Yeah. And we've talked about actually building a walk-in cooler here, but that's down the road. Um, Right. There's a lot of cool, cheap ways to do it now. Uh, I've, I've worked with a lot of folks who have done it just because they want to race, you know, and chill cattle. Mm -hmm. And there's, I've got a guy, uh, I'm actually going Monday or Tuesday. He'll finish helping him. He's, he's getting ready to move to Tennessee. Oddly enough, I'm trying right. to hook him up with the whole LFTN community. Tell him cool. to go because he's he's really into all that. But uh, uh, yeah, he built a walk-in cooler in his garage, and I think uh, I've consulted with him and helped him process now eight Longhorns in two years out there, smaller, just stuff they've raised in their backyard. So it's it's worked out really well for him. He managed to scrap together some material from his job and everything, and he had some HVAC experience. But he put the cooler together for like seven hundred bucks. Wow. And he's ran eight cattle through that thing in two years wow. and it's been rock solid the entire time. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's he he's at the point now he feels pretty confident in doing his own. So he's like taking that skill with him to Tennessee and him and yeah. his buddy are yeah. going to, he's going to, he's going to have a barn dominium set up a cooler in there and do all of oh. his own processing and, and everything for friends and family and stuff. So that's been a really cool uh, kind of experience with him, but there's a bunch of folks who have been able to pull it off. Uh, there's, if uh, you get a chance, there's, I think it's coolbot.com, but you can just uh, yeah. Google coolbot. Yeah. That website, even if you don't use their controller, is a wealth of information on, uh, yeah. you know, insulation needs in a room, your size, you know, what kind of, you could use an oversized window air conditioner and basically trick the controller into running. You can't pull off a freezer, but you can pull, pull off a cooler for probably mm-hmm. a, under two grand. If you've got yeah, the structure to build it at. Into. about two grand to yeah, do it, yeah. you got to walk in cooler. And the way it. I look at it, it's like even if you only do one or two large animals a year, if you have a homestead, if you have a garden, if you have stuff going on, there's never a time when you go, Man, I'm sorry, I have this much refrigerator space, right? Right, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> there's always something that yeah. can be used, and you can turn it off, or yeah, you can dial it back and adjust the temp up and use it as like a, a beer aging chamber or a cheese aging chamber. You can adjust yeah. that temp, yeah. you can run it at 58 degrees if you want to. Uh, but yeah, that's good. Yeah, so good point. I keep telling people it's, it's worth the trouble most of the yeah. time. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Walking coolers are totally awesome. Uh, I would definitely go with that if you're going to do a lot with it. So you guys ever consider raising your own hog or anything like that? I know you got not much space. Yeah. The yeah. Food 
production is is a fun thing. But if you've got mm-hmm. access to extra food or somebody runs a donut shop or something like that, it's easy to fatten a hog. And they eat yeah. everything that we eat and more. Yeah. I think that would probably tip the neighbors yeah. over mm-hmm. the edge. Yeah. We talked about like sheep. Yeah, I br- I, br- I brought up sheep and goats. It's probably more of an odor thing. Yeah. yeah. Because with pigs, if you can't move them around a lot, they're you're going to have a pig smell no matter what you do. Yeah, I think that yeah. I don't know if we could do that. Yeah, we yeah. at most we did sheep or we we're talking sheep and goats with a neighbor, and he said he didn't want them. So yeah, we were fine ah. with that. Right, right. Yeah, you, it's it's kind of hard. It, you're restricted when you have something something that small or whatnot. Now you never know if you've got your uh, one of your buddies, one of your neighbors or whatnot that runs the big ag land back there and everything, and they didn't uh, mind letting you uh, lease, you know, quarter acre, half acre off the back end of their, their spot to, to run yeah. something. And uh, nobody can really say anything about it because it's ag land, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's you, you might be okay with if, if you turn around and say, look for 2000 a year, I'll uh, just lease half an acre right behind our house. And you don't have to, to go out and plow it and plant it. And that uh, section of land makes money and we can play with it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. It's an option. It's an idea. So sometimes when you have a small area like that, I think people overlook the idea that you could go somewhere close by and pay for land and make it worth the, worth your, you know, especially if you could do a little bit of a market garden or something like that and, and, mm -hmm. and make the money off the land itself to pay for itself. You're Mm -hmm. doing stuff that guy doesn't want to do. Right. I I would love to take what, you know, so I'm looking out our back window right now, take our width of our lot. And buy mm-hmm. it back to the, the tree line from the farmer because that's ag and we could do whatever yeah. we want on that. Yeah. Right. So, That'd be pretty but, cool if you could pull that off. Yeah. So when you guys do your processing, do you guys just uh for like the hogs, you do it in the kitchen, you just go out in the garage set up and throw out some start, tables or we start yeah. in the garage. Yep, we'll start in the garage. And, and then mm-hmm. grind inside and season on right. the inside. Yeah, yep, so yep, I, that's probably the easiest way to do it. We have like a six foot fold up table that we use. We have the chain hoist, mm-hmm. good set of knives. Yep. Uh, we used a Milwaukee M12 hacksaw to split the hog last time. We got that nice yep. table with a little sink in it. Yeah, we have a fishing game table that we use for cleaning mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, we've had a couple. I would people- say, hey, if you look at a lot of these these new, uh, they have the single hand reciprocating saws. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got a, a battery powered one from Rigid. And I've got one from Lowe's too. I want to say it's their, uh, I forget the Lowe's bland, Cobalt, the blue one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually a 110 plug-in. But those things, it, most of them have a closed chuck on the front. It's just okay. got like a little little knob and you you know it just moves in and out. So it doesn't have that big chuck on the regular reciprocating saws. It gets full of, of crap. You can clean mm-hmm. it off. A good, uh, the ones from Lowe's, I think it's uh, Lennox, Extra Sharp, but basically uh, metal blades. If you're careful, you can do a lot of bone-in cuts with those. I've split whole steers with those little six-amp reciprocating saws, and they are okay. so much easier than the handsaw. Um, and if you're worried about it, get that uh, get that blade. You can just take a little bit of sandpaper to it and knock that paint off. But those metal blades work awesome for yeah. splitting carcasses, doing bone-in cuts, just any knife work that you want to do. Like you want bone-in pork chops, cut all the meat first with a knife and then split the bone because that saw blade will tear the meat up. Uh, yeah, I get really picky about that. We don't do a whole lot of uh, meat cut or like uh, bone-in cuts. No. The bone-in stuff, right? Yeah, but yeah. you could, if you wanted to do some bone-in like roasts and things like that, that's a good way to do it. Or if you're trying to do splits, you'll save yourself a lot of work sitting there with that handsaw. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will actually, once you get good enough with it, I'll cut bone-in chuck roast out of a cow with that with the single okay. hand reciprocating saw. So cool. I need to do like a demonstration video on that one of these times next time i get a chance to do one because uh, cool. they're pretty cool tools but i hate using hand saws i'm it's just me i <laughs> i would sit there with a knife and debone the thing first if i can avoid using a saw because it's just it's a lot of work yeah yeah we use it for the ribs on the hog and that's about mm-hmm. it so yep. yeah the way we yep. do the cuts so, but and if you're doing one it's not that bad but if you're doing it every day yeah it sucks mm-hmm. how are you it's all yeah. The way we do the cuts would probably make a butcher cry. So yes. Uh, just, well, but that's, that's okay though. Way. As long as you guys are happy with it yeah. and you're happy with what you're eating, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, I, I'm biased. I want that. Like I'm super anal about the way I cut it. Cause I want it to look like retail quality stuff you'd buy <laughs> off the store, but I'm also doing it either professionally or training people how to do it. Mm-hmm. So I have to, I have to raise that level on it. And that's kind of where I, where I came from. It's how I learned it. 
Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, if you're happy with what you're eating and you're happy with the appearance of it, that doesn't matter. You know, yeah. and there's always, there's always, that's how you learn. You know, mm -hmm. I can promise you right now, the first animal I processed looked like hot dog shit. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the first one we did. Too. I've just, I've just, I, for about five years straight, I deboned about two thousand deer a year and cut steaks from them. And then outside of deer season, I was either cutting for retail meat or I was uh, processing whole steers and, and and pigs. On average, probably three to seven a day. So if you can't make good cuts after doing that volume, you probably yeah. need to hang up the knives and find a better profession. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm not knocking on anybody who, who has uh, rough cuts or whatnot, but what matters is that you enjoy it and you've got protein for your family and you didn't have mm -hmm. to worry. So did you guys ever have any concerns when like meat was hard to find in the store? No, this it all just, happened like right at the right yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. We right. literally I mean, went it's, down. It's peace of mind knowing you can walk outside and go, Hey, look, there's meat for the table. Yep. Yeah, we literally went down all the this road at you know March of 2020 is when we started all this. Mm -hmm. Um right. Yeah, we've done a couple hogs, a couple deer, what 40, 50 rabbits probably. Yeah, well, because the original hog, she couldn't get a locker. Mm -hmm. So it was like, hey, does anybody want this? You know, and and figure out how to do it yourself. And so that's when we kind of walked right into that. Yeah, man, it worked out pretty good for us. Well, yeah. And it's about the same time that I branched out and started my own business type thing because all the processors, the little processors where I worked were completely overloaded Yeah, mm -hmm. because everybody was scared. Everybody wanted to get stuff processed. Everybody, uh, you know, well, you couldn't take anything to these big, big lockers. There's yeah. like what five big processors in the U S and like three of them shut down because of the, Ooh, this, the scary. Yeah. So everybody took all those they started taking those animals to the small processors and it all happens around the same time. You get all the big four uh, H fair shows, which yeah. is mm -hmm. their busy time, the private individual processing. So everybody suddenly, and it hasn't, it hasn't bounced back. No, it's gotten a little bit better, but you're looking at six months a year. If you don't have a butcher date now, you're not getting mm -hmm. the thing processed. You got people literally yeah. booking a butcher date before they think about the animal that they're going to buy to feed out. Yeah. Yeah. I so think, yeah, when I, when I decided it. I was just done with some of the crap going on and popped out and started my own thing, I don't think I could have possibly timed it better. Everybody mm -hmm. wonders, how do you start a, uh, a business in the middle of a pandemic? Well, uh, you, you, you start providing it. something that yeah. nobody else can get. Yeah. yeah. You, know? <laughs> you fulfill a need and you run with it. Right. And that wasn't even my intention. It wasn't like the timing thing, but that definitely worked in my favor, mm -hmm. I think. Oh Lord. Well, Hey, I mean, I could ramble all day, but I know you guys have places to go and things to do before we <laughs> wrap up here too. I want to check comments. Um, the lots project he's been over here chattering. He wanted to know how's the ham stuff going last night. So we, we can't, we got to talk a little bit about ham radio because <laughs> so I know that's been something you guys have really gotten into big. I'm a ham radio operator. I've been inactive for years because I've had too much crap going on, but uh, I grew up with that. That was like my hobby when I was a kid. So, uh, and I kind of stuck with it. Me and my dad were, were really into it. Uh, I was actually a Skywarn spotter. Uh, I did that nice. for years until I got everything done. Uh, until I moved, actually, I, I kept up. I went to my yearly trainings and I was on, on a lot of the Skywarn nets and everything. Uh, when we started over in Mercer County, over on the far side of the state there, uh, we had our own little amateur radio club. I was 16 years old. I was the president of the amateur radio club because I was the only one stupid enough to want to take on the, uh, the responsibility. <laughs> uh, it was fun, you know. Uh, and, you know, you were talking, we were talking the other day about uh, how I should get back into it and everything. And all this stuff's kind of coming back up. And then last night I checked the mail as I come home and I get a freaking letter in the mail from uh, some random person, hand addressed to me, to my ham radio call sign you know i'm like what the yeah. heck and it's about field day about field day coming up they have a thing in town and they wrote in marker above the top of it and they said you studied to get your ham license come join us there's no obligations i'm nice. going god why y'all just harping at me come on maybe i will i don't know we'll see it's i think it's the 25th right is when yeah 25th, is. 26th yeah yeah so that'll be the day before i actually interview for uh interview with Toolman Tim on the 26th. I'm going to be on his show. So maybe awesome. I can squeeze that in on that Saturday. I'll try to see if I can block it out and maybe go hang out with some local hams. But I understand you guys are doing field day at your place. So yes. tell yes. us about that and how that's kind of, has that brought like a community people to you? Is anybody who's in the ham community yet. like on board with what we, you guys are doing? So we have about, uh, there's really 15 
active hams in our club um mm-hmm. that show up on you know for the meetings and stuff and we're probably gonna have that's a pretty good haul though for for ham radio in this day and age and you're in a rural yeah. community so you know, you you're not to, really in a big that covers like northern illinois so we oh, are like one, you, of, the, one so, of the few ham clubs in the entire so you've got a big a big, big multi-county uh yeah. club though okay yeah. well that's yeah. that's cool um and we're you know, some guys are 40 minutes away. Some guys are half hour away. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we're setting up down here uh, on the neighbor's property. He's got a one acre lake and a bunch of flat spot around it. And that's where we're going to set up. Nice. Uh, we're going to awesome. camp in here, uh, set up some tents. And then I'm going to bring out, I have a uh, FT891 and a Wolf River coil vertical that we're going to set up. Nice. And then I think couple guys are going to bring their radios and uh probably some wire antennas and i have solar as well for mine uh two deep cycle batteries um i've been licensed what is it been a year and two months three months so and you guys have done a ton with it in that year and two months you've already got your you got your extra so you are top of the line you can't you're as licensed as you can be Yep. I, I, when I go down a rabbit hole, I go down a rabbit hole. You just went for broke. Oh. Right. Right. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. I, I, I was kind of the same way. I think I, I think I upgraded the general very shortly after I got my technician, which mm-hmm. I got my technician right after this is how far back it was. It was right when they dropped the, rec- the code requirement for tech. Yeah. They completely dropped it. So I got in, it was pretty easy entry. And then I was like, all right, well, I can study for this code and like a tiny bit more and get my general, but it was five words per minute for code on general at the time and 20 words a minute for extra. And I mm-hmm. think right when I went for my general was when they combined general and uh, advanced. advanced. Yeah, yeah. It used to be, there was, you know, tech general or tech tech plus general advanced extra. And yeah. uh, I got in what it was tech and then they grandfathered tech plus into that. So I didn't have to. So I got, I got access to some of the HF stuff. And then I went for the general, which gave me like 90% of it. And I was like, you know, okay, I I could go for extra, but I don't feel like, I don't feel confident. I could do 20 words a minute code at the time when I really played with it. I didn't feel confident testing for 20 words. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't do it. And then, then it was a couple years later, they dropped, completely dropped the code requirements. And I was like, dang it. But I just never got around to doing it. I, I will wholeheartedly admit I do not know how to do code. I am not. I, I want to learn. I can't tell you it. I do anymore either. It's one of those yeah. you use it, you lose it type thing. I can yeah. still do SOS. I can still do, uh, I could do CQ. I could probably do, uh, I could probably tap out my old call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not yeah. my new vanity call, but it, it, you know, not a lot of guys are doing it anymore. I think it's a cool thing you, to learn. And I think if anybody surprised. really wants to learn Morris code, there is a use case there that you can get yeah. by. You could QRP some stuff, low power some things that uh, nobody else can. You could be yeah. in the, like a remote mountain in the Andes and tap out CQ on a, a, a little Altoids tin radio mm-hmm. with a nine volt battery, and somebody could hear you on the other side of the world. You can't yep. do that any other way. No, but no. you also are, uh, you know, you're talking to the one percent of people out there who know how to even speak that language. I, honestly, it's making a comeback. There's a lot of people oh, yeah? jumping into CW now. Um, nice, nice. Well, really good uh, Long Island CW club. If anybody wants to learn mm-hmm. it, is what I've heard, and I'm probably going to sign up with them. Nice. Well, the nice it. part about it though is now you've got your extra, you've got full access to everything. Mm-hmm. If you ever yeah. want to just dabble and tinker, and most of those guys, I'm sure, are very accepting of of people who are learning. And if you yeah. come in with the uh, with the understanding that hey, I'm still learning code, they're going to give you feedback and help you along the way. Yeah, you know, hams absolutely. are cool like that. They're a pretty accepting community of new people. Uh, mm-hmm. I've really noticed that. Yeah. So it's a lot like uh, a lot of homesteaders. Well, the good homesteaders. I'm sure you guys yeah. have run into the ones online mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. they just want to <laughs> knock everybody down for crap that they do because they don't yeah. uh, they don't understand or you know they're they're learning. Uh, so when it comes to have you guys had any crossover between the ham community and like the homesteading community or any of those guys that are involved in the ham side? Are they interested in what you guys are doing in the homestead or has it been kind of like just two separate worlds for you? We have a couple of people in our group. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the group that we started yeah. a couple of months ago are now bringing up like wanting to learn ham. So it's kind of neat to see the, yes. the overlapping. Yeah. 
Nice. Whereas, like, I know there's a lot of people in the homesteading kind of preparedness community that are interested in ham radio. I just, I'm not sure anymore if there's as much crossover coming from the other way. Like you talk to a bunch of hams and stuff there's a, there's and I don't some. know if a, a lot of them are really doing yeah, what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, we have one guy that came out and helped us process the hog and he's from the, the from the club. Nice. Um, nice. Awesome. So that's well in, in that's a rural perfect. community like that too. You probably have a lot of that going for you. There's more people who grew up on a farm yeah. than yeah. not. And it's yeah. been interesting because when we've posted up like, Hey, we're going to be butchering this hog or Hey, we're doing this. There hasn't been a lot of feedback yeah, like, interest, Yeah, but now we're doing the chicken mm -hmm. and there's yeah. been a lot of people that want uh, to learn how to do the yeah. chicken. Well, because it's intimidating. Everybody hears, yeah, Oh, yeah. hog. Oh, that's, that's big, you know? And yeah. most yeah. people aren't going to raise a hog. Uh, right. chickens, right. rabbits. That sounds yeah. hmm, interesting, right. doable. Let me, let me play with this. So you guys thinking about doing some like workshops yep. and do put class. those on and some actual training. That's awesome. Yeah, We're going to, we're going to do a workshop I, with chickens and we might line up perfectly with when we need to call or butcher the rabbits. Yeah, we'll see. So that nice. might be the same. Well, you guys have to let me know how that goes <laughs> and, yeah. and what you guys are doing as far as, uh, as far as, you know, costs and how you made it work and, and yeah. what you're charging and stuff like that. I'd love to hear that. Cause I'm thinking about doing something similar next year for float fest. I'm working with one of the neighbors. Okay. Uh, he raises meat cheap, but he's thinking about doing some broilers, thinking about maybe some rabbits and stuff too. So he may want to do a workshop on some of the smaller stuff. And I might do we combined with him, like slaughter workshop type thing on sheep for people who want to buy in and then actually have it be part of a, a demonstration for the event. And uh, we're, we're playing with that. We're trying to work out numbers though and figure out what's going to make sense, what's fair. Thing. So I'm yeah, totally interested in hear that, how that works out with you guys. And uh, yeah. if you have any tips there on organizing that, because I've got yeah. about a year to plan it. Yeah. No yeah. We, we're not experts. That's for no. sure. So, well, yeah, we're going to. Well, no, but, but still, this is kind of a new, not really new, but in this day and age, it's kind of a new yeah. space to be doing yeah. workshops on meat processing and bringing people in. So yeah. I think people who are involved in that, yeah, let's, let's all communicate and figure out what's the best ways to do it. Cause I like learning from other people's mistakes. I make plenty of my own and I try to learn from those, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, I'm thinking but that's why that, we're doing this kind of educational stuff. So, right. And well, I hey, think do you guys that, have any questions for me or anything? Uh, and I cut you off. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Do it all all right. what, why don't you well, say what you're going to say? Then we'll, we'll I, for... I think I, I was getting nervous about doing the chicken processing class because it's like, we haven't been doing this for like years. Like mm -hmm. this is still new, but I kind of think that'll help but because people are going to come over. You've still and, done more of it than the average person. The thing is the people who are coming to you and they want it, they want to learn. They have no experience. Right. You're sharing right. the experience you do have. Yeah, it's not intimidating going to someone who's like done this a million times. Like, hey, look, right, we just learned right. how to do this a couple of years ago. Look how easy it is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's yeah, exactly, exactly. It's yeah, like it's, with me and uh, with with me and Brian, all the Bitcoin Lightning stuff we've been talking about. You yeah, know, yeah. I'm like, I'm not an expert, but I'm telling you what, if a if a random butcher and a gas station repair guy who does comfrey can figure out how to use this crap. Y'all can figure it out too. So it's the same thing I mean, when it comes to the chicken type. Yeah, you figure it out. Approaching, you got that down home. You're in a backyard in a half acre. You've been doing this for a couple of years and you can pull it off. So mm -hmm. that's, that puts people at ease too. You know, yeah. It, yeah. If, if you guys can do it and the way that you're doing it is going to be very similar to the way that people who are just getting into right. it are going to yeah. have to learn to do it. You yeah, know, look, so it's approachable. Yeah, yeah. We don't have, you know, big barns. We're just doing what we yeah, have. No. Well, you yeah, don't man. learn how to process your own cow at home by walking through a Tyson factory either. You know, it's right. not the yeah. same thing. Yeah. 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 It'll be fun though. It's, it's, it's been fun doing the hogs. The real learning curve was when we first started doing the deer and that's when the neighbor showed yeah. us how to do that. Um, right. Really when, I mean, when you, there's a lot up, of similarity, but there's also a lot of differences. Right. And when you run up the hog, it's like, well, I've already done deer. So let's do something bigger. Yeah. Right. Right. So. Exactly. Exactly. Well, before I forget, uh, you mentioned hogs. You guys were talking about uh, bacon and stuff like that. Do you guys do like a cured bacon or are you guys doing fresh bellies or? Um, we cure it, but kind of. we like have it, you know, we, we, we put, <laughs> you know, the stuff on it and it's yeah. in the refrigerator and you're, where you're flipping it, you know, for a week. And oh, then okay. So you're doing the dry brine. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. So that yeah. works too. There, there's really two ways you can do dry brine or you can do EQ method, which is a specific amount in a solution of water and it soaks for a certain amount of time. So yeah. you can't accidentally oversalt it. That's how mm -hmm. I usually do it. But if I'm doing it for somebody else, I want to, 
make sure uh, it's probably where I'm most comfortable. I've done dry brine before and it's, it, sometimes it's really good. I've done it yeah. for myself too. Uh, but yeah, and you can, it gives you a little more freedom to play with different seasonings in your batches. So, but that's the fun part. You get to experiment and try this stuff that you would never be able to try. Mm-hmm. You're not going to buy is. that stuff on the store shelf. You know? yeah, I mean, last time we used this maple syrup that we tapped, you know, on our property. Oh so yeah. That's it awesome. All kind of came together. Yeah. It's another thing I'm jealous of the northerners for. I, I can't do that down here. We don't have sap <laughs> trees that way. You know? yeah, we, we have, uh, I can tap a maple, but it's not going to do anything. Yeah, we have uh, soft maples, uh, a couple oaks, but you can't do anything with the oaks. And then we have a black walnut. Yeah. We tap the black walnut, too. I didn't know you could tap walnut. That's awesome. I had yeah. a huge black walnut next to our house growing up. You know, so yeah. we had half it, the yard was a dead zone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so is ours. That's so luckily what... we can use it for something. Yeah, because... <laughs> Right. That is cool. And if nothing else, you've got black walnuts, you know, yeah, tons of black walnuts. I haven't done anything with them yet. Yeah, there's there's some stuff you can do with them. They're not, yeah. they're not as good to eat as the English walnuts, but they are pretty decent to eat. And, you know, if you want to take them and uh, once you hold them and you dry them out, it's a lot of work to go out and crush them. But I mean, get the girls out there with a hammer. Yeah. But those yeah. walnut, those actual walnuts, they're great for feeding things like chickens and you could actually fatten hmm. hog pretty well on, on, on nuts. So, yeah, I know you can make it's ink idea. out of them. So, yeah, that's one thing yeah those can. holes you can make dyes right. like you actually dye your own clothing. It's like almost like a black dye because you'll know when you get it on your hands, those oh, dry yeah, husks. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, it dyes really well. So, but, but I like doing stuff like that, finding all the native plants, things like that that are around. And what can I use this for? Mm-hmm. Even if I don't, mm-hmm. I want to know how. I want to at least yeah, try. Once, so. It's like last year we discovered yeah. the elderberries out back. I mean, I sold elderberry syrup like constantly mm-hmm. last fall. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, yep. I couldn't even. I've tried to plant elderberries out here, and I'm sure there's probably some growing wild that I just haven't found. But yeah, I've yeah. never had luck getting elderberries growing. All the, people all around me, like, oh, my elderberries are doing so good. I've bought cuttings. I have done seed. I've done everything. I've never had an elderberry come huh. up. So, I think uh, Amy uh, actually from, yeah, I think Amy on her podcast was saying the same thing uh, that they yeah. they were well, doing all the stuff to try to get elderberries going, and yeah, uh, all of a sudden one day, oh, there's elderberry I've been mm-hmm. killing for years that's yeah. been growing here. You know, I'm just yeah. been pulling it up. Yeah, well, it's like keeps coming back, honey badger like. I found some grapes out back, and it's like we've always just weed whacked, you know, all along the yeah. back fence. It's like those yep. are grapes. <laughs> yep. Oops. We've got a bunch of uh, muscadine grapes or mustang grapes, either one. They uh, grow out here all over the woods. And <laughs> what I've thought for years was, okay, there's about one out of a hundred of these vines. It's actually a female vine that produces because there's never. Mm-hmm. A ton of grapes. There's a ton of grapes, but never a ton of grapes. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, gosh, I guess I need to pick the ones that I see produced and try to cull the other ones out, make some space. Yeah. And then I'll notice from one year to the next, it's like a different vinyl produce and a different vinyl produce. And I'm like, maybe they're mm-hmm. just, they just cycle, you know, they don't yeah. produce the way, uh, you know, a, a normal commercial vine does pretty much consistently every year. It's like a, like a bi-yearly thing and it's like a rotation type thing. So like, well, I guess I just leave it alone and go out and pick what shows up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. So when you've got space in the woods, you can go walk around and you can go back year to year. You can kind of observe stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I see one that does really good, I try to take a cutting and transfer it up into the actual garden area and see if I can get it to grow and do its thing. So I should I do know. that. I like doing that. I do that with blackberries. I select the best ones out in the woods and just bring them up. Cause I know it's already, it already grows well here. So yeah. why bring in something that grows well in Arkansas when I know what grows well in Texas and I know it produces yeah. well by itself in the woods. So let me give it optimal conditions and see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh shoot. Oh, uh, well, we're a little bit over an hour and I know you guys got stuff you want to do. You're, you're itching to go look at the ham <laughs> stuff. So you guys have anything else to say or thoughts or ideas before we kind of wrap things up? And and if anybody has no. more comments, go ahead and throw them out there before we. Yeah. The, the only thing, if anybody has any questions for us, you can get us at info at two chicks and on our website at two chicks And uh, yeah, that's pretty much about it. Nice. Awesome. And I see, uh, Looks like Brian's over there in the comments. He said, hey, he says, good morning. Yo, yo. <laughs> awesome. All right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, check out the uh, 
over at twochickshomestead.com. They've got all kinds of fun stuff. I've got uh, that going on the banner across the bottom there. And uh, I've got everything that I've got going, including this live stream and all the contacts and ways to follow me or the podcast at live.libertymeet.solutions. Uh, check out the Renegade Butcher thing, renegadebutcher.com. I guess up there, I can't point the right direction. It's mirrored. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can find all that fun stuff. We're trying to get this seasoning thing launched. So we're uh, we're looking at maybe a membership type thing for that. We'll see. Uh, we did get, I don't know if y'all got a chance to see. I think I said at the beginning, we've got some of this merch going here. Check this out. Yeah, yeah you can go some. check yeah, that out. Buy you some cool shirts or odds and ends. There's a bunch of stuff. You can get like a pot holder and things like that. But any of that stuff, if you feel like buying it, uh, that goes to help support launching the seasoning type thing. And once that's going, it'll be available, but probably we'll be doing a thing where it's a limited amount of, of people who could join like a club type deal. And if you get in on that, like you'll be one of a hundred people who've ever helped get this seasoning launched and it'll give you a bunch of special perks and stuff. So we're fiddling with that. I'm going to see what I can uh, get out in this next week on, uh, on that sort of thing. And, give a special super duper membership with like you get your own stuff. Nobody else can buy type thing. So nice. that's uh, what we got going on there. I got uh, to hopefully get some more content coming out this week. Uh, something actually educational and useful other than random updates from the road as I run around like a chicken with my head cut off. No pun intended, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're going to uh, wrap it up here and uh, let you guys get on with your day. And uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time to come out here and, uh, and yeah, hang out you. with the uh, Random Renegade us. Butcher. <laughs> and maybe we can do this stuff again one friend. of these days. Maybe I'll get a chance to get on your show or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Awesome. All right. All right. Well, I uh, hope you guys have a great weekend and go spend some money on some ham gear. I want to see some pictures. Yep. Yeah. There'll be pictures posted. So we got to get, awesome. get a new antenna for your, your truck and a new shack for the our new radio for the shack downstairs. So awesome. That'll be, that'll be awesome. All right, guys. Well, we'll uh, talk to y'all later and uh, don't have too much fun. We'll catch up with you in the chat. And uh, if you guys aren't on it, uh, you can check out uh, the Liberty meat chat on telegram. That's probably the best way to get a hold of us. Uh, that and a lot of the other little chat groups that are all connected with these podcasts seems to be where most of the, the really good conversation goes. So you can find those links over on the website and, uh, you can catch up with me and Nate and Aaron and everybody else over and over there. So, all right, all right, everybody have a great weekend. Take care and be free. Yep. Bye. Adios.